What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Room Sound Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, my name is Corey Snelson, and I love music and movies, and nothing gives me more joy than putting those two together. So I created Room Sound Live to get back into doing what I love most, and that is making music videos. I invite artists of all genres into the studio. They give us a performance, and then I take that performance and put it up on the Room Sound Live YouTube channel, which if you haven't already, please check it out, subscribe, like some videos, make some comments. We love all that stuff at youtube.com slash roomsoundlive. Well, today, y'all, we are joined by artist Tussing and audio engineer Christopher Hughes. They're going to tell us all about the upcoming record, Driving to the Game. But before we get into today's episode, let me just tell you that solo.to slash roomsoundlive is the link of all links. You can quickly like, follow, and subscribe to everything Room Sound Live. Please check it out. Greatly appreciate it. You can also buy a t-shirt, buy us some Topo Chicos, that helps us out a ton, but also subscribe to that Room Sound Spins playlist on Spotify, all from solo.to slash roomsoundlive. Let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. We are sitting down with Tussing. He just released his latest single, Wasted, and we're going to get a little bit of commentary from Christopher Hughes, the guy behind the glass to help him put it all together. Tussing also does a little bit more than music. He likes to travel the world. So we're going to talk a little bit about what life is like out on the CDT, which if you don't know what that is, that is the Continental Divide Trail. He will spend months at a time out there, just him. Talk about soul searching, y'all. So you can only imagine what his music's going to be sounding like, right? Well, we're going to get to hear a little bit of that today as well. You can check out Tussing on Spotify, iTunes. He's got a YouTube channel out there. He also has one dedicated to the trail. It's called Snack Bar Hikes. If you like that kind of thing, find him on YouTube. Check it out and subscribe to all that. So let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. We're going to kick this one off with his latest single, but he performed this one live here at the Room Sound Studio. This one is very special to me because I felt like I was there at the almost at the beginning of the birth of this song and to see where it has come now is just it blows my mind and I always love and I always enjoy working with Tussing it's always a long day of work but at the end of the day we're always so proud of what we do so if um, you haven't already check out our YouTube channel this song is up there right now this one is Wasted live from the Room Sound Studio I was hoping I was hoping you might come along And pick me up Where I'd find down I was waiting I was waiting by the bus stop So stubborn, don't you know? Melodies they change 
Setting with Derek Tussing and oh Christopher Hughes uh, on the Room Sound podcast. Yeah, that's right. It's a, that's an official start for us. Um, but uh, before we get started, just give a little background here, guys. This isn't your first rodeo together with this the, the release of Driving to the Game, um, which we'll talk more about that in just a second. But you guys have known each other for how long now? It's been. Well, we looked up earlier. I think it's like today. eight years. Um, it's yeah, it's. Almost eight years, a month and a half shy. April 20th, 2013 is when I have a photo memory of us recording. The spider web. Oh, the spider web salon. So that would be predated to our. I mean, I guess not. We were talking about recording literally that night, but. In terms of on day one, y'all are already like. I mean, how, that's what you approached me about. Yeah, we pretty much we met because we were both performing at this show, and I had never heard of him, and I saw him perform, and I was like, "Wow, that dude's awesome!" And so, you know, I had my studio in Denton, uh, Miscellaneous Sound, and I had been working on you know a couple records, and I, I was sort of looking for someone to to like produce a record with, and. Uh, I went up to him and just kind of threw that out there. And I didn't really expect, uh, you know, I just introduced myself to you. I didn't expect yeah. for it to turn into what it has, but no doubt. I'm glad it has. Uh, it's been really cool to like watch afar as well. Cause it's now been, how long ago was it when we dropped, when I started doing these little interviews? I think the first time I met you is when I came to your house, did an interview for the first album. That's right. Yeah, it's been a minute now. That would have been somewhere in the ballpark of four or three years ago right mm-hmm. like um, 20 2017 summer 2017 is the first re- like digital release of you're only what you're dreaming and then were we doing video content for that when i came back right i was gonna say i felt like we did video content a year prior to the price yeah yeah maybe so i'm pretty sure because um i was living in oak cliff at the time in 2017 is when i moved out of oak cliff okay yeah yeah so 2016 then yeah it's been a journey like okay so since then now coming up on the second project that you guys just recorded almost a year ago just a little over a year ago is when y'all took the time to lay down what we're hearing now and what we can be hearing listening to uh, a lot has changed, though. Mr. Christopher, your father now, was that even in the picture back when you were recording Tussing for the first time? No, absolutely not. And so, I wasn't married either. Oh, dude, I know. Because when, <laughs> when I reconnected with you, you were like, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, and now I live here. And I was like, <laughs> you were like, wow. what the fuck? You, like, like, a lot has happened since then. And then for you, Derek, like, you've now been out of the country a few different times. Uh, you've lived in different parts of this country a few different times since then. So a lot for you, you've done a lot of stretching and growing and living off the land, which we'll get more into the CDT here in a little bit. But I really think that y'all came together probably at 
I mean, I guess it couldn't have been a more perfect time because a month later, you couldn't do what y'all did. Mm-hmm. So a year ago, uh, you guys... That's, yeah. Weeks later. That, weeks. I was going to say, that's a surprisingly accurate statement. It's the only time that it could have happened. Because we started tracking at the studio space that you had at the time and didn't... If you recall what I'm thinking of, what I'm... Uh, we eventually ended up moving spaces too. So I wonder, you know, a little bit further in the future, had you not been there, where would we have tracked drums? Or like, where would we have... Oh, yeah. You're talking about with the first record. Yeah. Um, but what were, you, what were you just... We're talking about last year. I'm talking about oh, you're talking tracking about two weeks before oh, lockdown. That's what I'm talking we about. We barely... Okay. I mean, like, we booked that studio time... The weekend, the I think it was the weekend of February going into March. I was just right? daydreaming about the first record still. Oh so yeah, I lost track. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that was that was its own thing too. Um, but like, if we'd have booked two weeks later, truth, it wouldn't have happened. Not for yeah. at least a f- six months. You for know? a while, I don't think it would. Honestly, I can almost confidently say I don't think it would have happened. Like, because there's other... a well, there's just a different momentum behind me wanting to get it done at that time that I don't know financially and energetically exists for me now. But I mean, I can't say that obviously like with a fact of the matter, but yeah, it would seemed pretty perfect in timing for me to, well, I I do want to say that, um, it was a little bit of like hindsight when I kind of looked back on those few days that I was joining you guys in there uh, and through the pandemic and it hit me. I was like, wow, these guys wouldn't have been able to do this a couple weeks later. But not only did you uh, go in at the perfect time, as perfect as it could have gotten, I think, um, not that anything's perfect, but at the time that y'all did to give you the time, the year's length of time for post-production and stuff, but you guys really tracked everything in like three days, right? We yeah. tracked it all. Everything. I I would say make the statement we tracked it all in two days. And then you, what'd y'all third do? day? Yes, Overdubs. there was other tracking done in the studio, but minor. Like all of the songs had been captured. And yeah, y'all, like, we'll, we'll talk about the process on how y'all captured those because yeah. I really want because it's really, you know, it's been done before. But I don't think you've done it, and I don't know your history on doing full one takes for for capturing music. But two and a half, three days of work this this time around. But that wasn't the story back on your only what you're dreaming. That was a little bit more of a. Uh, can you, Christopher? Can you compare the two projects on what it was like during production for those? They were completely different mm-hmm. from each other. Um, the first record that we did, so the way that a lot of people record these days in general is they build up tracks, right? They'll lay a foundation, like say drums and bass, and that might be recorded live. And when they do that, there might be like a throwaway guitar track and a throwaway vocal track, just so people know where they're at. And then once they get that foundation, then you start to use the studio like like its own instrument, you know, and, and you're sort of painting with sound, you're adding colors and you're thinking about like uh, the emotional impact of different transitions in a song and where, where should background vocals and harmonies go and stuff like that. That was not the approach that we took on this record. And we talked about it too. Like I remember Derek, you and I getting together and having uh, dinner and, and talking about what you wanted to do months before we did it Mm -hmm. and um derek told me he was like i you know i've got a bunch of songs i want it to be more stripped down uh and i want to do it all live yeah let's talk about that like it's kind of weird that i have a little piece of i'm i feel like i'm a piece of the journey that you guys have just created uh because we sat down this is before the production of the second album we sat down and I was just like, hey, man, I want to make a video. Let's go make... I think we were going to make like a skit or a short film. Yeah, we were meeting up for comedy writing, actually, right. which... Uh, and I think you were playing the song Wasted, uh, and or you were playing I something that day. I showed it to you because I had just written it. 
and I was like, dude, fuck it. let's write, let's make something do you, with do this. Do we curse on this podcast? Yeah, yeah we right can. Now. You can definitely. <laughs> fuck it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, we did kind of decide on a whim to shift gears and make the Wasted video, which then gave me the audio to share with Christopher at the dinner that he's referring to, which I don't really think was like an official recording meetup. I think... We were just kind of hanging out yeah. and wanted to talk to me about ideas. Well, I, I hadn't I, seen you in like yeah, four that's years. That's what I was... Yeah, <laughs> it, it was more that. I think one one or the other, we had like commented on a status online or whatever. So then, then you know, we messaged each other and... Uh, yeah, I really didn't think it would be months later that we were recording an album. I thought there'd be album talk and maybe like down the line, but it ended up being the conversation of like, okay, let's look into booking the studio like now. Yeah. So at that dinner, Christopher, what what about, I mean, I'm sure it's the exact same thing that attracted you to this gentleman anyways, but... Can you kind of put into words like why when you heard this track that it kind of inspired you or at least got the gears moving to instead of just starting to, hey, we know what we want or at least you know what you want as a, as a producer and you just really needed to get this dude on board to want to do a full album, which wouldn't take much for you at all, if anything, to get you back in the studio. But So at that night at dinner, what was it like hearing the song and what was going through your mind? It was all really familiar because we had already done this before. <laughs> True. And we and I knew him, you know, Derek and I have we've gotten to know each other pretty well over the years, so you know, it wasn't like a it wasn't like a business meeting or a consultation or anything. We were just hanging out and speaking as, you know, two people who like to make art about, you know, what the next step might be. And I know what a good songwriter he is. Um, I feel like I understand his songwriting. Like I, I feel like I have an understanding of what he wants, which helps me quite a bit, you know, on the production end of things. Because if I can see his vision, uh, then I can use, you know, microphones and all that stuff in the studio to try and make that happen. And and not only just that, not only the technical aspect, but also the the feel of it all and and bringing in the right musicians, which. You know, we haven't talked about the musicians involved, but they were obviously really important to the yeah. whole thing. Um, so, um, I don't know. What was your question? Am I answering your question? Yeah. Well, no. I just pretty much wanted to, to know the inspiration behind him showing you a, a you know, well, for lack of a better term, so... shitty recording. Not that the song was shitty. Shitty recordings are cool, though. I, I remember. I like. I remember shitty sounding things. You actually asked how we recorded it. I remember sitting I liked in your car, the you're like, of it. was it a voice memo recording? How did you record this? Yeah, it was iPhone. on the iPad that was sitting on top of that, uh, sitting on top of that uh, Home Depot bucket that, because we were doing like, we were kind of doing a take for the song and a performance shot simultaneously for the video that we put together. So that was just like a solution to have it close enough to me. Like we again, we weren't setting up for audio recording this day. At all, we were yeah. like, mm -hmm. uh, sit in that chair. Okay, put the iPad on that bucket. Okay, good to go. Yeah. Um, oh, which those are always so fun. That wasn't the first time we did that kind of thing. But yeah, for sure. But that track, I mean, is 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 what kind of started the uh, the first step towards. Um, um, for this track wasted that just dropped on the fifth, and then also for driving to the game, which is yet to be talked about release date wise, but yeah. it all kind of started with that dinner that yeah. you guys had. Yeah, that's right. And a few months later, you find yourself at Luminous Sounds. Is that right? Yeah. You mm -hmm. kind of knew some peeps, pulled some strings, got in there, and then mm -hmm. Derek, tell me a little bit about how it was recruiting the the men, the artists that you brought in to help you paint your picture. Like, what um. was that all about? Well, it was pretty easy um, in terms of when I presented the idea of the project, everyone being interested in being involved. Like, it was an immediate, yeah, I'm interested in doing this. Um, John Ruiz, who played the bass, 
actually I said this to him multiple times and we recall it the same. I think the first time we ever hung out, he came over and we talked music. And the conversation since six, seven years ago was, hey, I should play bass on, like I own an upright bass. You play this style of music, I should be playing with you. And it just never really came to fruition until I was thinking about the tone of this record. And I was like, this is the one for the upright. And John, he was definitely in immediately. Uh, he has a little, he's a little more freed up than the other two involved because they're more full-time musicians. So like asking Burton on pedal steel, uh, he does, he, he sits in for other musicians live as well as in the studio. So booking him's a bit more of a scheduling type of thing. Uh, but again, that is the same musician that Christopher had play on You're Only What You're Dreaming years ago. Which was a surprise to you. Which was a surprise to me, yes. And also one of my most well-written Instagram posts ever. Yeah, and well that no. also... What are you, uh, what are you, what are you, there's a Instagram post on Burton where I share a photo of him and I tell the story of uh, how... And this kind of relates back to the, how the processes were different Christopher's sitting at home with the tracks, sitting on the tracks. We've got some sessions scheduled in the future. You're only what you're dreaming. This right? is your only what you're dreaming. This is we have fifty to seventy-five percent of the record built out and recorded on what we've been doing. And I think Kent and I, Kent Evans, who was electric guitar on your only what you're dreaming. We have like a session scheduled. And keys. He played some roads. He, as well. he played. Yeah. Actually, play a number of things, cause and synth, yeah, synth, yeah. some keys, some guitar, yeah. Well, we've got a session to come out with Christopher a few weeks out, and in between the last time that I visited and worked on anything, and Kent and I arriving, Christopher has Burton come in and do the pedal seal, which I knew was a possibility, but not something we had decided or made the time for. So yeah, I showed up with four very fresh tracks in my ears when uh hearing them that way but so Burton wasn't uh you know familiar with my music you had interviewed him previously he had been you know involved in a number of the creative cycles uh so yeah getting him in and then I remember the conversation with Bobby being a little bit let, like of him being excited about it, but and a little Bobby less. Bobby plays piano. Uh, yeah, Bobby Orozco, piano player, uh, drummer for a couple different projects in the area. And all around pretty awesome dude. Yeah, really great guy. Um, we sat down for lunch, probably this a month maybe after Christopher and I have met, and I'm like, hey, we've basically got these tentative studio dates i really want you on this record these are full back-to-back recording sessions like a full weekend we're going all the way through bobby's uh i give him so much props for showing up the way he did that weekend because he had gigs the whole weekend he came out uh Friday, like set up, uh, you know, did his thing, literally left, did a gig, was out till whatever time, broke down all his stuff, went home, came back the very next day, recorded again, had a gig, was back again on Sunday, even though it was unnecessary for him to be there, and I told him that, I was like, uh, he was like, no, dude, I want to see it through, I want to be here for this process, which I loved. Um, but our conversation about whether or not he was going to be able to do it hinged a lot on, he's like, yeah, well, I'm in basically full-time gigging in this, as a drummer in this band, and my weekends go to them, we, you know, we're getting paid to do that, that's part of our thing. Um, so for a, a week, a couple weeks, I really wasn't sure about Bobby's, like, absolute commitment to being in on it and I knew he had to be also uh, <laughs> not to not to um, 
sell short or you know take anything away from what John Ruiz and uh, Burton had did on the album, but me personally experiencing your music over these last, I feel like it's been like a it's almost been a, a decade, decade of, yeah, yeah. Of, of me knowing your music at the very least and seeing how it's changed. But that piano, I feel like, is what took it to a grander like it was i was when i showed the first track when when i got a little sneak peek and i showed the first track to crystal mm-hmm. i said hey look it's definitely tussing but it's like the most evolved form yeah. of what tussing is and tussing isn't just you it mm, is yeah, those other people not at all but it's also very much so christopher and let's take it back to how burton got into the picture is is you and or you christopher and you derek you both had trust from each other of what needed to be done and while you're not there this dude says you know what i'm gonna bring in a steel guitarist and, and just i know it's gonna work i'm gonna follow through with it and that is like i feel like that's a better surprise than coming home to like i don't know like a case of beer or a bottle of wine or something i've got this i've been trying to break So trying to shake No, my mind Line aside It ain't never been straight But I think I'll be fine I'm fine I think I'll be Oxygen in my 
carving in my blood Oxygen in my lungs uh-huh. Carving in my Carving in my blood Oh, oxygen in my bones So let's take it back to that, man, 2013, April 20th, yeah. Spiderweb Salon, Spider is that right? Salon. Yeah. What's going through your mind when you're hearing this dude? I know you kind of already talked about it, but like, what drew you into him? Um, well, I, yeah, I've mentioned it a few other times in the past, but <clears throat> he just wasn't afraid to put himself out there. And, you know, a lot of times you see people when they get up in front of a crowd, they tense up, they, you know, and they're not quite themselves. And I think that that's normal. What's not normal, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. what's not normal is to be yourself and be cool with being yourself, you know, warts and all, even if it falls flat. It, that night it did not fall flat, but as you know, myself being a musician and a performer, I know that sometimes it doesn't, there are so many different things that go into a successful or unsuccessful performance, and they're out of your hands most of the time. <laughs> All you can really do is be who you are and hope that people feel that emotion coming from you and connect with it. And, uh, and Derek's really good at doing that, you know. Uh, and I admire that. I think that that's awesome. Um, it's hard. And were you already like, what was what was your career like at that point? Were you already working for uh, teaching? Pro- professor of English is what you said. Is that how you say it? Professor of English? Yeah, English I mean, professor. T- there you go. English professor. I mean, both, right. Both I, sound okay. all right if you don't stutter. Oh, yeah, you're <laughs> right. You're right. So when did, because that, I mean, we're talking eight years ago. What was life like then for you personally and creatively? Pretty different. Um, but actually, I mean, in some ways, pretty different. In other ways, maybe not so much. Um, I had a I had an actual studio space in Denton that was right off the square at that time. And I was making a lot of records for Denton bands. Uh, I was making my own. I, I had my own project, which still exists in a different form today. It's called The Calmative. And um, I was wrapping up my own record, but I was also producing an album for a band called Spooky Folk, who, um, man, they were amazing, and I miss them every day. Um, great band. Um, I, I was working with... Uh, some other bands as well. I was making like EPs and, you know, a couple of full album productions. And at the same time, you know, I was teaching English for Tarrant County College. Now, back then I was an, I'm not going to go into the politics of academia, but back then I was an adjunct instructor, which is a very different situation professionally than being on faculty, which is where I'm at now. Um, And... So a lot of it, it was kind of, it was a side hustle, uh, as well as a passion. Wait, the, if that makes sense. The music. I was going to say that no, no, teaching's no, no. a side hustle. <laughs> I love that. That's well, so funny. Well, but honestly, <laughs> like at that time, they were bringing in equal amounts of revenue. Like right. they were balancing each other out back then. Uh, not so much the case now, which I prefer. Um, <laughs> I think that the situation's much better now. But, you know, sometimes like, you have the things that you want to do and you find ways to make them work. And that was what I was doing eight, you know, eight to 10 years ago. Um, 
so you know I make less records for other people now but it also allows me to approach the records that I do make as like a real labor of love um, and it's less of a less of a work thing or like a grind like I, you know you're gonna pay me and I'm gonna make a record for you and that's how we're doing it I can pick and choose um, and I get to work on my own stuff more so it, pretty big differences in that way uh, yeah, I, I, I can hear the difference between the first record you did with Tussing to the to this record now, uh, and it's not just the piano or just the steel guitar or just the stand-up bass, but I feel like overall the production value to You're Only What You're Dreaming is like miles ahead of what, uh, I'm sorry, Driving to the Game is miles ahead of You're Only What You're Dreaming. Mm. Um, Wasted mm. is the first release off of... Um, driving to the game we don't necessarily know the release date yet what's keep what's why is it up in the air on release at this point um it's up in here up in the air on release um because i would like to put it on vinyl at the same time that i'm releasing it digitally but there's like a large influx of vinyl ordering going on this year so an example of what that has caused normally record store day is like in April it's pushed nationally to June 12th to help accommodate trying to get out uh, this large amount of vinyl that's in demand right now so I haven't decided if I'm going to separate a digital from a physical release. But I, I asked that um, because I feel like over this last year, you as an artist and as a human have done a lot of searching like within yourself from the time that you recorded this album. You then, not shortly after did you record the album, but you where you went on the CDT in the summer of 2020, right? Mm -hmm. Where is that already in in the plan, like pre-pandemic, where you already... Um, there were probably one or two texts about it in, like, November-ish of 2019. Um, I had a friend who I've hiked with previously who was already committed to doing or at least starting where we started this year. Um, and then, you know, I'd see them post a status, you know, oh, this or that, trail prep, blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, you know, I'm coming with you, like, blah, blah, blah. So it kind of kept snowballing to where I was like, oh, I can actually pull this off. And I wouldn't say probably... I think I felt pretty confident during the tracking of this album that I would be doing a big hike this summer. Um, and then maybe April, end of April or so, I think I bought like a plane ticket for what, uh, what initially would be, no, what eventually I should say would be a June 22nd start time. And that's, you're going out for three months. You're like essentially leaving uh, the, the post-production of this record up to the professional, mm -hmm. Mr. Christopher over here. I worked on mixing it and all that while he was hiking. Mm -hmm. And yeah. what's such a good thing to do, because I feel like um, someone who records an album is like itching to hear it, right? But you went out and did the ultimate uh, distraction, and that is to go out and live. Well, I could still hear it. Of course. I don't know how you signed off on those mixes, though. Like, when I would post them, I'd be like, all right, new mixes up on Dropbox. I don't know how you were even listening to those out there. Well, it, sometimes it would be two days before I'd see the text or be able to get the... Uh, be able to actually stream. So occasionally I'd get random service, get a text, and then I wouldn't be able to stream the song for like two days. I'd see it in Dropbox, but I wouldn't have Ooh, that's got, that's worse enough, enough, be tough. enough internet connection. <laughs> I'd be sitting there like, come on! Like, Were you listening on earbuds and stuff? Yeah, or? only on earbuds usually. I think I had one or two times <laughs> on like a, a Bluetooth 
uh, speaker one time on like some over the ear headphones. Um, there were a couple times where it took, there were like days and days that passed yeah, and yeah. I finally would like reach back out like, uh, so did you get a chance to listen to that? Like, oh man, yeah. I know cause I mix, like. I mix hybrids. So all of my equipment would be like set up and I, I don't want to break it down until I know for sure that that mix is the mix. Right. Right. So yeah, it was, it was interesting, but you know, luckily we had the time. Yeah. We had the time to do it. Everyone was on lockdown. I was at home a lot. Uh, a lot of downtime to get work. Were you doing like Zoom classes and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, not Zoom, but something similar to it. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, the teaching during a pandemic is a whole other podcast. And Right. I don't even know if I want to talk about that. I don't I was, think so. My brother is a teacher as well, and he was telling me that you know, there are the negative ones who could scream at the top of their lungs about all the stuff that they're having to do. But then there's also the way to look at it. He's like, you know, it's unfortunate, but it's not impossible to an extent. Again, another whole podcast. But that's, you- that's true. I, I agree with that. However, I would say the quality of learning has gone way down and it's right. nobody's fault, really. You know, it's just we are we are human beings and we're meant to be with each other and we're meant to communicate with yeah. each other and there's something lost in translation when everything has a buffer of a screen you know what i mean i mean you just said it right there with getting your mixes to derek and then literally having to wait for the internet to work for derek for you to actually get confirmation on is my work done on this one can i move on right so you're teaching and simultaneously mixing this album uh, while Derek is out, you do three months on the trail, is that right? Uh, Two or three yeah, months? Yeah, which wasn't exactly in the plan, so I started kind of, I didn't start at the start or the end of the trail. I started in kind of in the middle uh, to accompany a buddy on a segment that he wanted to do which was supposed to take us about six weeks. He's also a professor and had to go back to teaching. Uh, And at the time, I didn't know... I didn't know if I was going to be able to afford staying on trail. Um, I had already moved all my stuff into a storage unit. I didn't have, like, anything else particularly going on. So when it came time for him to leave, like, the last week before he left... All week long, I was just playing around with just continuing walking. Like, I'm already out there. There's what so many more miles of this trail. Like, just keep going. Uh, which ended up being, yeah, about six weeks with a partner. And then uh, another, yeah, close to six weeks without. So, were you by yourself for the most part for those six weeks, though? Oh, yeah. Wow. 90% of my time Man. was spent, like, Straight up backcountry. Can you talk, walk me through a, what's a typical day look like on the CDT? Hike, eat, hike, eat, hike, eat, hike, eat. That should be, hike, eat. That's, (laughs) I I feel stupid asking this, but is it Continental Divide Trail? Is that what the CDT stands for? Continental Divide Trail. Okay. Now you shouldn't feel dumb. I don't know anything yeah. about hiking. I've asked it three he's times. Asked it like, he asked it like four times during the pre-interview, so he's yeah. got a leg up on you. Yeah. Uh, okay. But, what would you say? Right typical day, but hiking, oh. hiking, I get it, I get it. Uh, Typical day. I mean, the thing that I love most about hiking is the typical day is so simple at its core. Like, it can be difficult obviously and strenuous but yeah you're waking up you're pretty much packing up immediately like the style of hiking I do is not a wake up uh, have a campfire read a book uh, do your laundry uh, pack up the tent like you know like it's this is like, okay, wake up. We want to be fully packed up, fed, and walking in 30 minutes. And so that's, you know, your tent, all your gear, everything else. It's a full breakdown. Uh, but then, yeah, it's breakfast, start walking. Um, generally, 
Um, I'd say I like, I like to take breaks every like five miles or so, which usually ends up being two or so hours, maybe. Am I calculating? How many right? miles in a day are you doing? Uh, average of twenty big days. Wow. Twenty-eight to thirty-two were my biggest days on trail this year. Some big distance hikers doing like. If you're doing any of the big time trails and you're putting in like those five and six month times, it's not unheard of for people to two and three months in to be putting 40 mile days in. Wow. But that's a... That's crazy. But that's because it becomes such a... like a habitual thing. When you set up your tent and you packed up your gear 80 times... You know, you're waking up and you're just doing it, and then you're just going through the day, and you're hiking sunrise to sunset. Right. Once you then, break that routine that you left back in your normal day to day, you're in this routine of being on the trail, which is it's not as hard in your mind, I guess. Is that what you're saying? Well, it's, it's not even as hard physically. All of it becomes like that's why I tell people who don't think they can do a trail, I'm like, the reason you don't think you have can do it is because you ne- like it becomes a whole different thing. Like, mm-hmm. any time I go out, people are like, I would die out there. I'd get my ass kicked. I'm like, what do you think happens to me for the first two weeks? I get my ass beat because I'm not used to this, and it is rough. But it, the your relationship with what you're doing changes so drastically when you finally, like, sink into, like, this is the thing. And you give yourself the space to, like, not think about everything else is going on you're just hiking so yeah you know again back to five miles you know if you're doing if you're doing a uh, 20 mile day you're doing uh waking up doing five miles taking like snack break maybe filtering water and moving on you're taking your next lunch break at uh four hours you're taking your next break six hours you're taking your next break eight hours and like yeah you're just hiking it's, uh, I have a question for you. I don't. I don't think I've ever ha- hiked in my life. Um, but I'm. I'm interested yeah. in it, especially hearing you talk about it. And what I'm wondering, hearing the way that you're talking about it now, do you see it as a meditative act? Hiking. Does it um, feel like meditation to you? Just the repetition of it and the sort of clearing your mind thing. It depends on the situation. Uh, I find that it can be very effective as that type of practice but I find that it also isn't that it still takes the type of discipline to get into a meditative state with that action as it does with any like in that I will find myself lost in thought about normal life shit Mm -hmm. uh, at times but then there's days where for sure and I I guess I would definitely say like the miles do like disappear in a weird way like when you get into yeah when you wake up and you know you're about to do 25 miles the first 10 miles don't exist Mm -hmm. you know like I know exactly what you're talking about it's like how time sort of compresses and expands in ways depending on what you're doing you know, and the kind of like mental stress I guess you'll get at certain points, especially those first two weeks, uh, which you say you get your ass kicked for the first two weeks, which I think everyone can use a good ass kicking. Oh in, yeah, in different <laughs> I love it. Yeah. To, be, yeah. to be honest, it's one of the hardest things I do in my life by choice. I try to sure. find the easiest like, ways to kick my ass. I know that sounds like a cop out. <laughs> well, but like, like hiking's great for that because it, again, well, it's yeah. really just a long walk. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> my body. On the west coast, my heart On the east coast, my mind Well, somewhere between The moonlight and the evening My son, I'm still sleeping, my Why can't that be me?
This release and this whole year I've found uh, a bit of a balance with that like so yes I'm leaving on I'm leaving for a trail here in a couple weeks but specifically from the start the conversation with uh, culture hype and the PR was hey I'm gonna go do this thing I'm serious about this outdoor trip but I'm serious about this release how do we balance the two so like picking particular dates and making sure I have my PR stuff delivered to them in that time. And so when I'm going out, I'm not leaving anything behind. And that's something I've kind of struggled with in the past where I haven't struck the right balance of knowing I've got all my creative side handled so I can go enjoy this space. Right. Um, and so it's interesting that you see that in this year because I feel like, and it's interesting that the music and the hiking are coming together in various ways because that's actually what I want to do. It, it, my perfect work life or creative life, travel life balance would be, yeah, I'm going out in the summer and I'm doing some big distance and I'm shooting video and like creating this hiking content, but then I'm coming back and all the while as well, like I think I can uh, sustain promoting my music online by again having content in my back pocket of keeping all those promotional avenues and other like creative spaces alive for me while I'm doing the other thing. So the point is I uh, I appreciate that you see that drive happening on this record cuz every time something comes up I that's been the mode of thought like with Christopher and kind of if I wanted to panic about it I could have the mastering aspect of things uh, being like okay well now you have to jump this hurdle but never once have I doubted this project and I'm not going to till it's fucking done like I'm gonna see it through and I'm tr and each time that I make that choice to see it through something else meets me halfway 
Like, yeah, things have worked out every step of the way. Yeah. Initially, when we planned on doing this live record, part of the draw was uh, a quicker turnaround than the last time with mixing and mastering, which we still have succeeded at now, even a year later. But had we not taken the year to work on the mixing and mastering you would have not started room sounds live i would have not heard the interview with karina thus i wouldn't have been working with culture hype and it wouldn't have seen some of the same traction just on this single release uh it would have been a whole different mm -hmm. mode of release um Financially and uh, just energetically, it would have been a lot different. And so that's why I'm also leaning into being okay with uh, the vinyl pressing being a bit out and the mastering being pushed a bit out and like other aspects of it because the timing has been creatively so, like it's worked out so well that I'm, yeah, just leaving doubt at the door on this project and allowing things to happen and seeing time. I mean, now we've really just, this is the first wave of like getting it out there, but um, yeah, I feel really good about the timing is my point. Well, I mean, it just sounds like um, what you guys were talking about earlier, it all works out and mm -hmm. I completely agree. Like I was, like I said an hour ago, like sitting back and watch this project from afar and how things are just coming together for you and why, like, why try to make something happen when you literally are just living your life, doing the trails, yeah. playing your music, letting things kind of manifest for you in its own natural wave and natural flow of energy. Uh, which for some people that can sound a little out there, a little loopy, like flow of energy, manifestation. I don't think but I, I anyone really putting their heart into creativity doesn't believe in some force behind what yeah what manifests for you. Like I, I agree with that, and and I would also add like as a songwriter and both of us are right you know songwriters i feel like you would agree with me on this i don't feel like i'm writing the song yeah. when a good song is coming i don't know where it's coming from but i don't feel like i'm the source of it i'm just sort of it's coming through me you know so it's a similar similar kind of thing it's just i don't know it's out in the ether and we're catching it and that's honestly yeah. probably why I vibe with you guys. Not that I don't vibe with any other artists that I work with, but like with you guys, like specifically, I feel like I'm a, I'm allowed to do what you're doing. And what that is is what Mr. Burton Lee said was throwing that antenna up and tuning into a channel and letting things come through. And that's why I would say that I appreciate what y'all make as as musicians, audio engineer, producers, creative what y'all make is something that is so special that if it's really hard to put it into words on my part, seeing it come together as it is, but ultimately timing and how you guys don't rush anything. You let it happen. And you, you're, you as, um, uh, an audio engineer producer, you, you are openly saying, Hey, I've been looking at this project for too long. I don't think it can hit its uh, fullest potential if I continue to do the mastering part. That's why you send it to Chicago. Right. And then for you, Derek, you're just like, you know what? The single's out right now. I'm not going to rush this vinyl press just to get it out because it that hasn't been your formula. Your formula has been the literal when it happens, it happens. And it yeah. just happens to happen perfectly for yeah. you this entire last 12 months. That said, I think we were quite a bit more efficient this time around. Oh yeah, and more we were more decisive, and we more we were more willing to just move forward, just be like, yeah, not perfect, but let's let's just keep going, you know, at the right moments. Would you agree with that, Derek? 
like recording process and stuff yeah or? any of the process you know like I feel like there were moments where it was like we just made a decision that you know that we're this is good and we like this and we're gonna go with this and we're gonna move on yeah yeah no definitely and I think that kind of ties into the way we made this record as well like the the live lends itself to that way that sort of yeah there's a human aspect in the whole live performance thing that I feel like we talked about that in in that first conversation you know in in this day and age with recordings people um, people are aiming for perfection most of the time Everything's got to be perfect, perfectly tracked. And vocals have got to tune vocals and, you know, stuff like that. And I'm not going to, like, dog on all that stuff. I think that there's a place for that. But that wasn't what we wanted this time. We wanted warts and all. I mean, I've I've got to hear a little bit of it pre-masters, I guess. uh, And it all definitely something to look forward to. The um, Wasted Single is out right now on all streaming platforms, right? All streaming platforms. Uh, you'll be dropping. Uh, there should, at this point, if you're listening to this, there's also a, a live performance of Wasted up on the Room Sound Live YouTube channel that we can check out. Thank you all so much for coming in. There's probably like another two hours worth of talking that we could all do. <laughs> right. Uh, breaking down this new record, the last record, what you have going on. We didn't even get to touch on that, but... Just invite th- me back. I'll I was going to say, you, I think you I think you owe me a whole other acoustic session anyway. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, real quick, before we like wrap that up, is there anything out there that we can find right now on uh, the Miscellanean? Is that how you say Yeah, it? yeah. Well, so I still have the Calmative uh, and there, I mean, that album is, there's like 20 songs that are pretty much completed and I just need to mix that. I'll be doing that this year, but um I have this other project called Miscellanean and it's more of like an experimental sort of beats thing, but it's not beats like hip hop. It's uh, I don't know how to explain it. I'll just say that I was listening to a lot of sparkle horse and um, even some daft punk and Rest in some, peace. yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. And some other things like Krautrock uh, genre. I don't know if you're familiar, but like German electronic music from the '70s, which is pretty weird. And I he's was over here questioning Dreamfolk, and then he's saying, "Yeah, I know, I know. I didn't, I did not coin the term Krautrock. <laughs> oh, it almost even sounds wrong this day and age. Like I don't you even know think the... about what truly that term means. It doesn't sound very nice, actually. You know the <laughs> the term I was trying to coin for my sound before people started catching on Dreamfolk. What? I was, Folk gaze. Folk gaze. Which is like shoe gaze. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. folk. Which yeah. is what I really think you're only what you're dreaming is. Yeah, like yeah. Like all that dirty guitar and like Ebo and like soundscapes yeah. and synthesizers and uh yeah, totally. But I was gonna say, like I, I got I started listening to a lot of that type of music over the last few years. I had always liked it. And then I I was like, you know what, I'm gonna try my hand at making some electronic music because I'd never done that. And I started using Ableton Live, which is some software. Um, got pretty proficient at it. Started using a vocoder for vocals and like doing some other weird stuff. And now I have uh, an album of these. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's weird or not. I don't know if other people would consider it strange. But for me, it's very different. Uh, so I have two singles out now. And I, I'm really just, as I mix the songs and master them myself, I, I put them up so that people can hear them if they want to. No holding on to them, just no. I'm done, put it out? Yeah, I'm not holding back. I'm just putting them out there about one a month. And I'll be doing that this entire year. And uh, at some point, I'll probably collect the best of it and, and maybe add something and then make a record, a proper album. So yeah, go check that out if you're interested. Awesome. Uh, where is that up on Spotify? You can uh, find it on Spotify, Apple Music, um, you know, YouTube, whatever music. All of the big streaming sources should have it. Dude, hell yeah! And then the cumulative also is out there as well. Yeah, the first record's available. Uh, the second album, I am kind of hanging on to, and I, I probably shouldn't because I have so many other songs that I need to get to but um but yeah i am i i've got about 15 
think I have like 15 to 18 tracks and they're, they're done. They just need to be mixed and I'll, I'll get around to that. Man, that's, that's <laughs> just side note to the culminative lyrical work of Christopher's uh, for that project is how we have the name for our first album together. So you're only what you're dreaming is a line from a song of Christopher's. That's right, yeah. And um, it's like a uh, family of of, uh, sound expression Um, (laughs) when it comes to what y'all are creating is there's a link. There's there's a link almost everywhere you look. Yeah, the inspiration kind of travels back and forth, I think, you know. I get around him and I see what he's doing and it inspires me to go make some art and then I make some art and he hears it and he's like, cool, I'm going to make that line the cover of, or the, uh, the title of my album. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Dude. Yeah. Well, I definitely, uh, always love it when you guys are getting together, whether it's creating something or just hanging. Uh, so I really appreciate you guys coming out. Uh, I know there was a lot of shifting around for what we were doing, but, uh, I think we got a lot to work with. Uh, so thank y'all so much. Uh, yeah. That's we'll call anything any last words from either of you gentlemen. Nope. Goodbye. <laughs> and goodbye to you, Christopher and Tussie. Thank you so much for tuning into the Room Sound podcast. Uh, you can check out that video of Tussing on the Room Sound Live YouTube channel right now. That's youtube.com slash room sound live. Thank these guys so much. I always love hanging out with them. Thank you for tuning in. Um, again, solo.to slash roomsoundlive. You can check out everything. You can quickly like, follow, and subscribe. Buy a t-shirt. Donate to the channel. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, everybody. Well, you're still with us. Remember, be excellent to each other. And if I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Podcast. The Room Sound Podcast.